Hi, thanks for joining me again. Gary Zacharias here with The Apologist Bookshelf. I want to take a second look at a book by Ron Rhodes, uh, president of Reasoning from the Scriptures Ministry. I like a lot of the things that he does. <clears throat> His book is called The Ten Most Important Things You Can Say to a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, if you want a, a small book that is powerful, it's got a lot of good information, it's just a wonderful size, uh, it's not overwhelming. And it, it covers things like uh, the ten most critical problems, uh, looking at the doctrinal errors and some of the cultic teachings of the Jehovah's Witnesses. I want to look at a chapter, just because I like reading a lot, I want to do his second chapter. I did a previous podcast on this book. But this one is on uh, chapter two. It's called The New World Translation. It's inaccurate and misleading. That's the point. So he gives you a little bit of background first. Says, um, when Nathan Knorr was the president of the Watchtower Society from 42 to 77, 1942 to 1977, the New World Translation was produced. And the idea was to restore the name of Jehovah in the Old Testament, where the Hebrew uh, just had Y-H-W-H, and a lot of people say Yahweh. And then they inserted it, I say they, the New World Translation people, inserted it in the New Testament when it talks about the Father. It says, here's the catch. That contradicts what's found in thousands of available Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. Okay, well, Jehovah's Witnesses think that this New World Translation is the best one available today. And so that makes them the only true followers of God because they're the only group that refers to God by his name as Jehovah. So here's what goes on with the New World Translation. It inserts Jehovah throughout the Old and New Testaments, and it's claimed to be the best translation available. Well, let's take a look. Let's see what uh, Rhodes has to say about that. He starts off saying that this is actually inaccurate, this translation. It's misleading. And here's the catch, or here's the key point. It's biased in favor of Watchtower Society theology. It strips Jesus of his absolute deity. And another chapter in this book covers the way they view Jesus. <clears throat> it teaches that God is, uh, is Father Almighty and Jesus is a lesser God. So sometime you're probably going to get a Jehovah's Witness who shows up on your doorstep and they're going to cite the New World Translation. He says you need to be aware of some of the distortions within its pages. And he takes on four things that we should all be able to do when we're interacting with a Jehovah's Witness. Number one, we have to be able to verbalize the truth of what biblical linguists really say about the New World Translation. You know, people in the know, what do they say? Number two, we have to demonstrate that the translators of this New World Translation were not linguists themselves of the Bible. Three, we have to show the New World Translation has gone through some huge changes over the year. And number four, we have to give some specific examples of how it's mistranslated key verses to support their own theology. So here we go. Let's go through those four. And now he goes into detail. So number one, he says respected biblical linguists have really given a major thumbs down to this New World Translation. And he gives you five different people who are big on the Greek and really know the New Testament. I won't quote them all. But uh, one says the, this translation is shocking, shocking mistra mistranslation. Bruce Metzger, very well-known professor of New Testament Princeton, he said it was a frightful mistranslation. He called it erroneous, pernicious, and reprehensible. Wow, pretty strong language. 
Somebody else says it's a radically biased piece of work. It's actually dishonest. Uh, somebody else called it an insult to the Word of God. So you can read those uh, on pages 24 and 25 and, and see those for yourself. So there's the first complaint about the New World Translation. People in the know, people who are biblical linguists, have all said, no, 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 this is a bad translation. The translators were not biblical linguists. Here's point number two. Watchtower Society kept refusing to tell who the members were of this translation committee because they, they wanted to be anonymous and humble. Well, of course, the catch to that is, if you're going to be anonymous, you can't check credentials. Well, there was a huge high-level high level defector named Raymond Franz, and he wrote a book. He finally revealed the identity of the ones who were the translators, and it was a completely unqualified group. Four of the five men had no Hebrew or Greek training at all. They just had high school educations. Nothing wrong with that, but if you're going to translate the Bible, do you think you might need more than that? The fifth member, he claimed to know Hebrew and Greek, but he was in a court of law one day in Scotland. He failed a simple Hebrew test. He actually dropped out of a college after his sophomore year, and he hadn't studied anything dealing with theology. Here's the third charge that we need to be ready to offer to somebody at our door. Major changes, major changes have been made to that New World Translation over the years. So what's happened? What are some of these things? Well, early in its history, the Watchtower Society endorsed the worship of Jesus. And in 1959, the Watchtower Magazine changed his story and said, don't conclude that Christians are to worship Christ. This isn't what he taught. And that's reflected in that New World Translation. In 19, the 1961 edition translated Hebrews 1.6 this way. But when he again brings his firstborn into the inhabited earth, he says, and let all God's angels worship him. Talking about Jesus. Now, in 1971, they had a new translation. But when he again brings his firstborn into the inhabited earth, he says, and let all God's angels do obeisance to him. They changed worship to obeisance. So obeisance means just kind of tipping your hat to him. You're not worshiping him as true God. So they changed their translation to show the, the, the change in their theology. Let's go to point number four here. What, what are some key verses that have been mistranslated? Where can we find actual evidence of some of this mistranslation going on? So he's going to pick out three. He said there are more, but he's going to pick out three. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. John 1, 1. I bet you know that one. And Titus 2, 13. So here we go. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says this. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, what does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus, that's the hymn, Jesus created everything. God allowed Jesus to do the creating here. He's before all things. Uh, all things were created by him. Well, Jehovah's Witnesses can't have that. Remember, Jesus can't be God Almighty. He's got to be a created being. So they have to have it appear that Christ was created first by God the Father, and then he was used by the Father to create all other things. So here's what their translation says. By means of him, all other things were created in the heavens and upon the earth, all the things visible, things invisible, no matter whether they're thrones or lordships or governments or authorities, all other things have been created through him and for him. Also, he is before all other things, and by means of him all 
other things are made to exist. Now, I'm pushing that pretty hard, so you can hear that word other popping up so often. Well, there is no justification, according to Rhodes, from any of the Greek texts to insert the word other four different times. You talk about a bias. They have to have Jesus as a created being. He can't be God Almighty. But Colossians 1.16 teaches Christ created all things. He can't be a created being. He can't create himself. Okay, let's go to the uh, another verse here. Um, oh, by the way, they said this is a good one as a cross-reference. They go to Isaiah 44.24. God himself says, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. If Yahweh made all things by himself and did it all alone, that rules out the idea that he created Jesus first and then created everything else through him, right? That makes sense. Here's a second verse that he says has been uh, garbled by the New World Translation. John 1.1, 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, they can't have that. So the Jehovah's Witnesses translation, the New World Translation, is going to take the last part of that and not say the Word was God, but to say the Word that's Christ, was a God. Well, it's totally incorrect. It says, first of all, the full deity of Jesus is supported by all sorts of other places in the New Testament, and Ron Rhodes gives you some places to go to. John 8, 58. John 10, verse 30. John 20, verse 28. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Colossians 2, 9. Titus 2, 13. Hebrews 1, 8. So over and over again, the New Testament keeps applying, uh, applying things to passages about Jesus that would have applied in the Old Testament only to Jehovah. For example, Jesus is the great I Am of the Old Testament. That's John 8, 58. Jesus, as Yahweh, was pierced on the cross. Look in Revelation 1, 7 and Zechariah 12, 10. Yahweh's glory and Jesus' glory are equated. That's Isaiah 6, first five verses. Compare that to John 12, 41. Jesus' identity as Yahweh is proved in his role in creating. We've already covered that, Colossians 1, 16. Compare that to Isaiah 44, 24, which we just looked at. Both Yahweh and Jesus are described as having a voice like the roar of rushing waters. That's Ezekiel 43, 2. And look in Revelation 1, 15. Also, linguists, going back to John 1, 1 here, linguists have long pointed out it's not necessary to translate Greek nouns that have no definite article with an indefinite article. There is no indefinite article in Greek. In other words, you can't just plug in an A there. Okay, so let's, uh, let's pick up the last one here, which is Titus 2.13. Here's how it's translate, translated by the Jehovah's Witnesses. While we wait for the happy hope and glorious manifestation of the great God and of the Savior of us, Christ Jesus. Now, it makes it appear that there are two people in view there. The great God, that's God the Father, and the Savior of us, which sounds like Jesus. But that's not what the, the other uh, translations say. So, for example, the New American Standard Bible says this, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Not the, right? God and Savior, Christ Jesus. And the point is, and this gets into some heavy grammar stuff here, but Greek grammarians say that when there are two nouns that are hooked up with and, which is what you have here, our great God and Savior, and the first noun has the in front of it, 
and the second one does not have the, then the second noun is referring to the identical person in the first noun. So that's exactly what happens in Titus 2.13. It starts off looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our of the glory of our great God and Savior. So that's what's going on here. You have two nouns, they're joined with and. The definite article is in front of the first noun, God, but not the second one, Savior. So here's what the sentence actually reads the great God and Savior of us. So the two nouns are referring to the same person, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, Rhodes gives you some other things here to, to think about and talk about with your Jehovah Witness friends. But here's the summary at the end of the chapter. Biblical linguists give a huge thumbs down to the New World Translation. The translators of the New World Translation, they were not biblical linguists. The New World Translation has gone through some huge changes over the years, and it's mistranslated key Bible verses to support this deviant watchtower theology. So uh, Rhodes has other books that deal with this in, in maybe more depth, but I think this is an excellent book to just get started and, and uh, deal in a polite, kind, gracious way with anybody who comes to your door from the Jehovah's Witnesses. So it's only 128 pages long. Highly recommended book. Well, thanks for joining me. We'll do another podcast soon.